Okay, I was fortunate enough to go to a meeting the other day, uh, Quad A it's called, and I got to meet Jerry, and we stayed on after for a good chat, and just one of them people you get to meet, and you just want to hear more of his story, so Jerry S. from Chicago, take as long as you need, sir, and thank you for coming today. Okay, one of my identities is activity holic alcoholic. So let me give me a little bit of pre, uh, philosophy of life. I'm in my 83rd year now. And what have I observed? One is I see myself an infinitesimal iota of a universal energy and a universal consciousness. Uh, that, And I believe I've been here before. In a different body, of course, because this body is only a house for the, my inner spirit, inner, this inner energy, this infinitesimal iota that is inside me. And why do I say that I've been here before? When I met my late partner, the first words out of his mouth was, where have you been all your life? And we really realized that we had been together many years before. He was also a concert harpsichordist specializing in Baroque music. And there was an instant when uh, he was playing that everyone said the interpretation was so different, but he felt that it was the right thing because of where he had been before. As I was Doing my book, I was reading uh, Werner Heisenberg's book, Physics and Beyond. It, uh, as I finished the third chapter, I broke down crying like I've never cried in my life. I've gone back and it still touches me. I can't see what's in the words. Yet I felt I was part of the quantum mechanics. I really felt I was in Germany in the 1920s and the 1930s in quantum mechanics, which uh, I, I realized today is a major why well, was a major interest of mine as I studied chemical physics. So, and when I woke up this morning, my thoughts were on who am I? When I speak of alcoholic, uh, as a work activity holic, alcoholic, a chem physicist, these are all outside manifestations. Who am I internally? And that is the big question I think most of us are trying to answer in our lives is who am I? I grew up and we all come into this plane with a set of talents and abilities and a disposition. And that's what I observed in my own children, my own brothers, I, everybody else, realizing I need each and every one of your talents and abilities to live life, to experience life. And I had cataract surgery here three, four months ago. After I got done with the cataract surgery, I started thinking about how much all the information that was needed to even accomplish that. And I was going all the way back to the beginning of human, of human experiences. Because 
everything I have is built on what has gone before. So, and then I look at today, when I grew up, the radio sat on the shelf. Today, it's on the phone. Uh, there wasn't any TV. It hadn't been developed yet. And it's on the phone today. And this is only possible because of what has gone before. So we experience life in different ways, different happens, and that. So let me look at my addiction journey. I grew up in rural America on a small farm. My parents had gotten isolated out of their families because of their mixed Christian marriage. Mom was Catholic, dad was Lutheran. Dad had agreed to raise the uh, children as Catholic for the marriage. They, because of their isolation, they did not associate with anybody. I'm the oldest of five. My parents were in midlife when they married. Dad was 40 when I was born. They had grown up through World War I, the Depression, and now we're getting ready to start World War II. So, so I ended up with no playmates my own age. The whole philosophy of life was children were to be seen and not heard. So I've ended up with frozen emotions or what is called today, childhood emotional neglect. I did not have playmates my own age. I already at a very early age, four, five, learned how to make my own play by myself, live alone. I don't recall any kind of hugs, readings, or anything from my parents. There was no emotional exchange between my parents. And I look at my family, of my, myself and my three younger brothers. My sister died when I was as an infant when I was four. I have no idea what that impact on my life has been. Uh, as all of us living together and not interacting, but being pleasant with each other. So then school wasn't any better. I was... Didn't know how to associate with kids. I was very much a loner. I was very much intellectually driven. Everything. That was the way of life. I go to college. I got to have a dual major. Because uh, I am now already in full workaholism. Not knowing it yet. The term wasn't around yet. But I had to have a dual major. Math and uh, physics and chemistry uh, combination for secondary ed. Part of my high school journey was there was a freshman year was had uh, a hazing day. And I didn't want to go through that because I'd already had enough bullying. So I looked for ways to get around that. And I really thought about suicide I thought about running away, but I had also very much liked uh, and associated with being part of the Catholic Mass. 
So I made known I'd like to go and study to, for the priesthood, which at that time, minor seminaries were run by monasteries for uh, Catholics to become priests, uh, boys to become priests. My mom was ecstatic. And so I would manage to go away my freshman year to a monastery and study to be a priest. Very difficult year on the emotional levels, not on the uh, scholastic levels. I didn't go back for my uh, sophomore year, finished in my hometown high school. And then after a year of college, I decided to go back to the monasteries and study for the priesthood again. This was all right. I managed to be all right. I did apostolacy, uh, where I cooked for 40 men, three meals a day. And this is the first time where alcohol was more acceptable. And I often, I know, drank two beers during uh, the hour-long uh, so-called relaxation period. Alcohol was on at present on the farm, but never abused. Alcohol was it tasted good, come in out of the field, have a beer, but that was enough, not needing any more. So, but as I was getting ready to leave from the uh, novitiate of, uh, to go into the next house, I had a vision of walking away across the field. And they determined that to tell me this was not your path. And so I returned back to college and I dropped all sense of God in that orientation and went to like a creative force. So, so I finished college mid-year because I ended up switching to liberal arts with a, a major in physics, a minor in mathematics, and a minor in chemistry and kind of killed my whole uh, ability to go on for the thinking of studying for a PhD in chemical physics, brand new field at the time. Uh, and so admission requirements were quite different. So I left, went to work now, and uh, took a job uh, a uh, for a manufacturer of automotive batteries and electronic components. They were generous to me and gave me a year of college to work on my master's, which I did with uh, in physics and actually was more interested in nuclear physics. So I got my master's and didn't pursue a, a PhD. I was not encouraged to do a PhD at that time. And I switched jobs again. At this point, now I'm going to go and I'm working on design adequacy of nuclear reactors. I had married, but marriage was something I was supposed to do. With the frozen emotions, I didn't know how to have proper relationships. And it, with no connection, it eventually deteriorated. And I I divorced. And at that point, I have two young uh, daughters. And I tried to stay contacted with them uh, uh, on weekends for short visits every week. 
from there, uh, with the change of cities and, uh, and, and that, and I'd already been struggling with uh, being gay, being a homosexual. In the early 50s, late, uh, even in the late 50s, rural America, that was not even a possibility of an expression. So here's another frozen aspect of my life. And now I give forth to that. The marriage ended up with myself being a lot of grief, and I didn't know what grief was. But uh, my job was dismantling uh, one of our test reactors. And all I really felt like I could do at that time was write labels. And of course, there's millions of pieces in this reactor and all had to be uh, categorized and, and, and stored. I drank at night and I smoked a pack of cigarettes at night uh, during that time. After six months, I've found the cigarettes lifting on, sitting on the burrow drawer and I hadn't touched them. So that was my end of my smoking. I never smoked before, and I basically, and I never smoked after. Drinking became only part of socialization. I'm full workaholic. I've got to be on the constant go. I was always, if something was needed, I would volunteer and I would be doing it. Uh, I was moved into some uh, a management position. I got up from my desk. I did not know whether I'm going to fall down or not because I would go into paralysis. Medical tests said, no, you don't have uh, any pro medical problem. So I was relieved of that position and my personality instantly changed because people said, where did you see Smiley Sholey walking around? And by, by my my last name is Scholey, and those of you, if you're in Germany, you will find my name on the menu. I'm a flatfish. Uh, it's also a flatfish out of the Baltic. And I've been in Germany and had the flatfish. So our lives are in constant change. And we're constantly trying to uh, do things differently, un undo some of the things in our past. We live in an inquisitive world where uh, our bodies are inquisitive, we, our minds are inquisitive. So after a while, I left that company and I went to work for another company in, uh, as a quality assurance manager that was dealing with automotive ignitions. I'd already experienced several psychosomatic illnesses like I just uh, the one I just shared. I ended up with another one with angina and a doctor for heart condition. Stress test didn't, I couldn't complete the stress test, so they did a heart catheterization and all my blood vessels were fine. Again, this is out of my workaholism. I am trying to kill myself because of the overdoing. This is still almost 10 years before I pick up an article on a business trip, workaholism, the respectable addiction. 
Now, at my 25th high school class reunion, I said I was a workaholic. I don't know where the term came. Workaholics Anonymous was just starting to be formed in 1983. And the first book was published in 1995. This is 1992. When I read that article 31 years ago, around this time of the year. And there was something in the article that put myself into counseling for workaholism. And they said, you can't overcome workaholism if you don't take alcohol out. And so I changed counselors. I looked at my alcoholism, all because I want socialization. Because I, I didn't know what it was to have any kind of close friends. I never had them because I couldn't connect with them. So I, my alcoholism was all about, can I stop after one or two drinks or do I have too many? I was never drinking for blackout. I've had some couple DUIs. The first one, uh, well, it was around 10 years earlier. Uh, and I remember the people at the meeting said, we should drive you home, and I refused, but I I ended up evidently driving erratic because it got stopped. No, no repercussions out of that at that time because we weren't dealing with alcoholism at that time the way we do today. Uh, so I went on. And I stopped. So I, this past June, I celebrated 30 years of sobriety. What have I walked through in those 30 years? My older daughter decided that she didn't want anything more to do with me when after my mom passed. And she really left her, her old birth family. My younger daughter isn't much better. I, my job changed because I was downsized. So I lost a job, had to change cities. I, my support group there was a high social gay group. Uh, they did not stress the steps or being, having a sponsor. So essentially the group was my sponsor. Changed cities uh, now to a more rural city. Actually, the first city was Buffalo. I went then to uh, South Bend, and I was working uh, for another company there that was making automotive uh, audio amplifiers and MRI amplifiers. Did not find the same kind of people did not find the same kind of AA meetings. They were all together different. But I found other ways to stay away from alcohol. And part of that was still with associations with churches, but not in a sense of believing in their faith. It was a way to have socialization without alcohol, which was the important thing. I finally retired and I moved to Chicago. I've always been big city oriented. My mom said there was no country boy in me ever. So 
And I've always basically lived in the cities, Milwaukee, Pittsburgh, Buffalo, South Bend, now Chicago. So that's an interesting journey in that way. Coming to Chicago and being retired, I laid aside the chemical physics, all the quality assurance engineering work and that that I was doing and went and started my concentration on the avocations of origins and religion, which I had been doing since I left the monastery. So I stayed in that whole vein. This allowed me to continue my workaholism. Even though I was an alcoholic and, and I had been a workaholic before I was an alcoholic, I never got any help in the alcoholism, uh, workaholism. So I continued in that vein. I could go to the bars and I had, uh, especially on a weekend, what I do it. And I had association with a bartender. And one night, all of a sudden, I just felt I had to leave that bar. And it ended up ending that relationship and uh, we could never uh, connect again. And I went to uh, Workaholics Anonymous meetings. And there I found what I needed to do was to prioritize and underschedule my life. And that helped tremendously. And I see this still the problem of the same mentality that I have to retain with alcohol and that. So I started documenting my writing. Well, so I was, I was looking at the, the uh, origins and whys and wherefores of religion. I had the thought to intercompare three Greek texts of the Gospels. One was the Texas Receptus, which is actually Latin to Greek, and it's the basis for the King James Version. What is called a majority text, which is based on all the manuscripts. And then there's another one called the Nestle Olive, which is uh, based on the Egyptian manuscripts. And those, they are not the same. There are many, many differences in them. And I was looking at all the individual, indi very detailed individual differences. And I've documented them. And uh, so at that point, I became even seeing religious studies and uh, everyone as being books of fiction. Now, when I look carefully at this whole thing, man has been trying to say, where is this universe? Why am I here? Why do I want, I want to know how it happens. And so we're in the process of what I call the early scientist is trying to say, oh, I observe this, I'll call this day. I observe this, I'll call this season. We as scientists have always been doing that. Even our language. If I look at an infant, it makes guttural sounds. And I, as a parent, have to interpret what those sounds are. I believe early man 
was making sounds, and he, and he showed, took those signs and said, okay, it's this item, this sound is this item, and this is how language came about. And then it develops in that. And then there's so many different languages around the world. And there's so many different religions around the world. They're all interrelated, but they're all very different. It's all the same kind of concept. So in the documentary of uh, my uh, Origins of Religion, it actually turned into a book. I did not intend to write a book. I was just trying to document what was going on in my mind. So I did write a book and I did put it in a, ch a chat box because uh, it is out on Amazon. But I have to stay sober in order to experience life. I have to stay sober today in order to maintain my mentality. I need more my mental faculties than any time before. I've also have to had more thoughts of drinking in the last two years than in the past 30, 28 years, 30 years. And one of them was very recently, I closed a meeting that I had been chairing for about 10 years. Meeting had gone back into the 80s and 90s. It was started initially for gay men who were experiencing addictions and AIDS and HIV. Uh, even when I, I tested positive for HIV because uh, of a man that wanted me to be positive, but it was a, a blessing because I had a wonderful relationship with an elderly man that had AIDS and the only way he could have a relationship was with someone who was positive. He is the fellow that I mentioned earlier, said to me where had I been all my life. So I was able to walk him through his final days and I, he died at home. I cared for him at home. Uh, I did not have to pick up drink after that. I've gone through that grief. I closed this meeting I was talking about before I got sidetracked. And as I left that, that meeting site and was walking to my L to come home here in Chicago, I had the strongest urge to want a drink that I've ever had. And I just kept walking. We don't get away from our alcoholism. We don't get away from our addictions uh, at any point. This addiction stuff will stay with me till I leave this plane and uh, cast this house off and let it come back to uh, go back to this plane. So life is an um, interesting journey into the unknown. If I go hiking in the forest, I never know what I'm going to see. And that's the way I look at life. So I'm looking to continue the journey and have fun. And I hope there's something out of all of what I've shared. I think it's kind of disjointed that you can gain benefit from. And I'm going to pass with that. <laughs>